0: Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Matt the Hatch with Matt Green. How you doing, Matt?
1: How's it going, Marvin? You doing okay?
0: I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, and I'm ready to learn about midges.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about midges a little bit. Uh, here in the southeast, we have a lot of midges. Um the Diptera, which is the order that the midges belong to, the midges are called the uh, Chironomidae. The Diptera, or the most diverse uh, order of insects in the aquatic insects in the world, and in the Southeast, which is quite phenomenal. I mean, they're you know, really these these uh, true flies, the Diptera, they inhabit about every kind of micro you could ever think of in dead wood and ripples and runs in sand, in silken tubes, in sand, and then in dead wood, uh, even living on other arthropods that are fully aquatic, mostly you know, dragonfly larvae, which we can talk about at some point. You know, they're really cool. They actually feed on the hemolymph for the blood of dragonfly larvae, believe it or not. Quite phenomenal. And there are six subfamilies. And I'm telling you these just for people that may want to know, but those are, uh, um, Podonomini, Tinopodini, Diomassini, Prodiomassini, the Orthoclidini, and the Chironomini. And the Chironomini are the most important because they contain a tribe of midges. That's a classification level tribe called the Chironomini. And these are famous for being these red hemoglobin midges. And when I say hemoglobin midges, these are midges that actually produce hemoglobin that they store dissolved oxygen in. And so if the DO levels or the dissolved oxygen levels of whatever water body they're in go past a certain point and they would potentially die, they go to that hemoglobin store where that dissolved oxygen is contained. And they use it for respiration, which is
0: really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what people imitate with the candy cane midge, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, I call, <laughs> I I have a, a name for it. I, you know, I, I don't know where you got the candy cane midge name, but I've been calling what I use uh, that um, a little bit. Um, but, but so the midge larvae, right? Mm -hmm. They can be red. Uh, The larvae are typically a couple of different colors, and it really depends on if they're in streams or rivers or in ponds and their sizes are correspondent to those habitats. Uh, They can be cream. They can be red. They can be cream and red, which makes them look like a candy cane, (laughs) that typical uh, red, white candy cane a little bit. They can be gray or green. Uh, Folks normally time with curved hooks. I do that too. Some folks are moving away from pure curved hooks to jig hooks. That's a really big movement right now using tongues and beads to get these things down uh pretty quick in the water column when you're fishing larvae, either on on a tight line with a check setup or just a, a dry dropper setup or just, you know, a double nymph typical uh Set up you know, with two split shot Three split shot, however many split shot You need to fish to a specific Fishing situation That's, that's situational fly fishing there And these hooks are anywhere Between size 28 or 26 For some of the smallest To 16 or even size 14 in lakes In ponds and lakes Cream and red midges are predominant And they can really get uh, Big sizes ranging Anywhere between 18 or 14, or even 12. I mean, they could be very large. In streams and rivers, they tend to be a lot more smaller. Uh, cream midges, which are more predominant of the early in stars or developmental stages, uh, typically small hook sizes, ranging from 28 to 22, uh, with red and red cream edges that are further along in development, ranging from hook sizes 12, or excuse me, 20 to 18 and then green midges and solid red, larger midges, they're going to be a little bit uh, further along in development, hook sizes 18 to 16. And so whether you're fishing in streams or rivers or ponds, you know, what color you use is going to be uh, kind of different and the hook sizes are going to be different and corresponding to those habitats. Uh, the diptera of the true flies, which include the midges, are what we call holometabolous insects, so they have a complete life history. That means they have an egg phase, a larval phase, a pupil phase, and an adult phase, and that pupil phase is this phase of rapid development, typically where the insect is a good bit larger than it is in the pupa, but actually... Um, and a good bit larger than it is in the adult. The adults tend to be smaller because the pupa is mostly just water weight in the end and so is the larva to a certain degree. If you ever look at these big crane fly larvae, you know they get range to about a size two when they're full grown on a straight hook, but that's mostly water. Uh, kind, of, kind of crazy the size difference between some of these larvae and adults and even adults and pupae
0: got it and then you know obviously you know we get the little midge clusters and when they hatch you know what's the kind of the transition from you know being a larva or pupa to hatching and kind of what are your suggestions on how to fish that
1: oh well i mean you can use the tandem midge setup like we talked about previously or kind of alluded to in our previous podcast i uh, typically what i what I like to do is to fish the emergent adults that are right on the surface. The pupa is going to spend a little bit of time uh, on the surface of the water as it emerges, but um, doesn't really take all that long for it to emerge and become an adult. And so that's why I think the adults are a little bit uh, more important to fish in and what what I fish are mostly smaller insects, uh, anywhere between a 28 and a 26 or a 24, and, and these are flies that are tied on dry fly hooks, typically uh, TMC 100 uh, with down eyes. And it's just really a, a, a simple thread body uh, with maybe one or two wraps of thread and then uh, a single to a one and a half wrap of grizzly hackle that, um, you know, it, it corresponds to the size of the hook you're fishing. And, and these adults can be yellow, gray, green, or black. Typically, if I'm fishing the waters, for example, I'm going to be fishing green and black adults. Those tend to be most predominant at the times that I'm fishing these midges, uh, typically over the winter. Between November and February, and then early into the into the mid spring, anywhere between March and uh, early April, before the Mother's Day caddis emerges on any of these tail waters and, and other, um, you know, Blue Ridge uh, streams throughout the Southern Appalachians and mid uh, Atlantic. And so, it's important, kind of, to go back to the, the style of the fly to have just one or one and a half wraps of the grizzly hackle because really these flies are going to function as soft hackles and so as you fish them on a tight line using kind of a lesson ring lift technique uh, typically on a nine to twelve foot leader and separated by about Two feet to two and a half feet of six or seven X. As you're fishing these small flies, 5X is going to be a little bit too big. About the cutoff for 5X is, is really about 16 or 18 size hook. Yeah, If you're fishing anything smaller than that, you're just not going to be able to get the leader through the hook eye very well. And, and then that connection with the hook eye is going to be very rigid and so it's not going to move very well it's not going to appear very lifelike, and it's going to it's going to drag. And so, you really need to fish a six or seven x uh, tippet or or leader material with these smaller flies. Now, if you're going up to like a larger size, sixteen green or or gray midge, for example, in an adult, then you might be able to get away with five x. But still, it might drag just a little bit. And even then, going with the larger leader. You're going to have to lift the rod tip at a little bit uh, larger, uh, greater, real well, yeah, greater angle than you would by fishing these uh, these smaller flies. I mean, you're going to hold the rod at about a forty-five or thirty-degree angle, and then you're going to lift the elbow and the shoulder and kind of lift the rod up and kind of lift the line off the water when doing this. And that lit, that rises the flies through the water column, even if they're sinking a little bit. And you can use a little frog spanny initially to kind of keep them on the surface. And really, you're looking at casting differences, or distances of about mm, 20 to 40, maybe 45 or 50 feet is about the greatest. You can have control with this technique. And so you really need to be fairly close to the fish, uh, casting to the left or the right of the fish, lifting the rod and the handle up with the elbow and the shoulder. And as you're, as the flies move in the current in the face of the fish, then you lift up even more so that the flies pass just in front of the fish. And, and it is helpful to have a rising fish to cast to, in this circumstance but not necessarily a requirement
0: got it and you know folks we love questions on the articulate fly if you have a question for matt if you email it to us or shoot it to us on our facebook or instagram page uh we'll be sure to incorporate it in one of the upcoming episodes of matt the hatch and you know matt we also wanted to share with folks that you and i have been working on a uh, an online class and we'll have more information coming out soon but you want to kind of tell folks kind of what we're thinking about
1: Sure, Marvin. We're going to do a little teaser of how to identify and how to fish and how some of these insects are related to your fishing for the most important mayflies, stoneflies, and caddisflies. In a week or two, we're going to give you a little teaser, kind of showing one, two, or three of each of these groups and so tune into that, and you'll you'll get an idea of um, you know how to apply some of this knowledge to your fly fishing. You know we talked about larvae and adults. If you'd like to know more about fishing pupae, which we really didn't talk about here, I'd love to do that in a later segment. Uh, if you have any questions for how to fish larvae and what I talked about, and kind of check nymphing and downstream nymph fishing. Be glad to do that too at some point as well, Morgan.
0: Yeah, that would be great. And, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to kind of give you a taste of what we're working on. But, you know, the idea is we're going to have more detailed classes on mayflies, caddis, and stoneflies. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Uh, as always, Matt, I appreciate you uh, tearing yourself away from the microscope to spend a few minutes with me this evening.
1: Yeah, Morton, we're out in the field constantly right now with students. So glad i could break away for something short like this and folks if you have any questions for morgan and i about this upcoming segment we're going to do with mayflies stoneflies and caddisflies uh, just give us a buzz
0: absolutely well listen folks tight lines everybody tight lines matt
1: thanks morgan all the best